Yeah, I'm really excited to share today. The it's the it's the second of February 2020, and I and I quite like that because it's zero two zero two two zero two zero, and I'm I'm just a real sucker for just little things like that, eh? And I go, ah, oh, this is awesome. Second of February. Um, as some, in some ways, it feels like we're well into the new year because it's already February. But in other ways, it feels like we're just beginning. Like for um, for teachers and for for school kids, just heading back this over this over this last week and the next couple of weeks. For them, it's like the beginning of the year, and they're either feeling really really excited um, or really gutted. I used to feel so gutted like when the ads on TV would, would come on advertising school stationery. Ah, oh, they're the worst. It probably feels like a, like a new year in England, where Brexit's finally happen, happening after, f- I think, four years since, they've, since they voted marginally to go for it. Over the next couple of Sundays, I want to um, like pick up pick up a theme really of, of new beginnings, new starts, and of freedom uh, for us as individuals, and also for us as as a people at, at CV as Cap- Capital Vineyard Church. Let's dive in. The passage I'm going to be looking at is Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I don't have it up on the screen, so if you've got a um, got your smartphone. Or your actual Bible, then you might want to open that. It says, chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of Of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. It's two verses. Astounding. Incredible. Those of you who were here last year, I spoke about um, some targets that I had. Um, Targets for 2009, they were to do with uh, riding my bike to work. I had to have a target because otherwise I'll, I'll give up. So I had a target of saving money by not catching the train. Every time I rode my bike, I saved $4.20. It adds up. And, uh, and I also had this target to reach a certain number of Ks. Targets, targets are the things we aim for. All right? Targets are the things we aim for. My, my brother-in-law, Matt, he's really into archery and bow hunting, and it seems like whenever he has a, he has a, he has a, um, a bit of space, which is not that often, but he'll, he'll go out into, um, you know, onto the property and he'll set up a, a target, a classic sort of archery target, and he'll walk to the other end and he'll, and he'll try to hit the target with his bow or crossbow. Have any of, any of you used um, sort of a modern bow? They're harder than you think, eh? You try to stretch back, stretch it back, and you have to have quite strong arms. And I don't have strong arms, and so, yeah, my brother-in-law had to come and help me actually pull it back. <laughs> you can laugh at me, but I'm a son of God, so <laughs> whatever. Yeah, you are too, but I'm the one with the mic. This passage, this passage in, in Hebrews is about our primary target. It's about a primary target. It's about Jesus. And it, and it highlights the ways that we can keep charging, that we can keep progressing towards our target. 
It's about keeping the main thing the main thing. This, the book of Hebrews, it's, uh, it's awesome. It's written to, probably written to um, early Jewish Christians, a group of early Jewish Christians, and it's really written to encourage them to uh, like stay the course, hold on to Jesus, keep following him, um, keep the fire burning in spite of what was going on uh, around them, in spite of uh, persecution or the culture of the day. It's, and it's trying to encourage them, don't give up. And it, and it does it by saying, don't lose confidence. Don't lose confidence in who Jesus is. And here in chapter 12, like we're jumping towards the end, it's actually the second to last chapter, but we're, we're at this point, and it sort of highlights these three, three key things. Firstly, it says, therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are these witnesses? Um, We're jumping into, into chapter 12, and in the preceding chapters, the author has written about who are the witnesses. He's been writing about he or she, Tessa and I were discussing whether it was a male or female, and it's not clear. Um, who are these witnesses? So he's been talking about these. who are these witnesses are. The people in, that we recognize from the Old Testament, people that have gone before us, people that have gone before the Hebrew, the Hebrew people, the Jewish Christians, people like Noah, people like Abraham, Moses, King David, and, and more. And it points at these people, and it, go, and it's showing, and it shows how they lived lives, of, lived lives of faith in God. And God was faithful to them. And so... We can look at them and we can be inspired by their, by their lives and we can be encouraged by their lives. And it's the same kind of thing as um, we can look to, to, to our sort of contemporary heroes and we can look at their lives and be inspired and encouraged by their lives. I've become really fascinated with uh, this amazing marathon runner. Who of you, who, who's heard of a guy called uh, Eliud Kip, Kipchonge? A few of you. I'm probably saying it really wrong. Kipchoge, Eliud Kipchoge. Last year, this guy's an absolute legend. He's incredible. Last year, he's 32 years old. Last year, he would have been 35, I think. Anyway, last year, he was the first person to run a marathon in, in just under uh, two hours. It's so flipping fast. He's a legend. He showed, he demonstrated what can be achieved. And his determination, I've been finding it really, really inspiring. And in some ways, this guy, he's like the witnesses talked about in Hebrews. And here's something else, here's something that I think is quite important. They're witnesses. They're witnesses. They're not spectators. They're witnesses of Abraham and Moses and all these faithful ones that have gone before us, like my grandparents. Oh, well, you're probably thinking of ones too. I used to have this idea that, that these witnesses, they were this crowd of people that were standing around watching us, right? Like they're standing on the side, if you can imagine a racetrack, like they're standing up in the, in the bleachers going, yay, oh, oh, that wasn't so good. Does that sound, can you relate to that? These witnesses, and, they, and mostly, it's, mostly I found that quite a um, bit of a down buzz really, because like, sometimes I do things right, but not very often, and I'd imagine like... Um, yeah, it's often my grandpa, funny enough, but I'd imag- sort of imagine him going, oh, James, <laughs> what did you do that for? <laughs> oh, James, 
You joked about your brother again. You shouldn't make fun of his face. It's just the cross he has to bear. Sorry. Oh, yeah, he's looking down at me. Oh, sorry, Grandpa. No, I don't think that's right. These witnesses... They're people that have gone before us. They have run the race. They have run the race already. And they're witnesses, not to us, they're witnesses to God. They're witnesses to God's like, faithfulness in their own lives. They, they're, they're witnesses to us because they say, look, I've been faithful in my life and God has been faithful to me. Now you, you can be faithful in your life and God's going to be faithful to you. They're witnesses of God's goodness. They're not witnessing whether we fail or succeed. They're not witnessing whether we win or lose. Let's scratch that idea. It's hard, but I'm trying to. Let's scratch that idea. You're not performing for them. We can look at their lives. We can learn from their stories. Look at those Old Testament guys. We can look at the New Testament people, guys and girls. We can look at their lives, and we can learn from their stories. We can see how God was with them. But our motivation is not their approval. In fact, our motivation is not the approval of anyone else. Our approval is is from Jesus alone. That was point number one. So back to Eliot. Eliot Kipchoge. He ran 42 kilometers in one hour, 59 minutes and 40 seconds. It's just fast. It's so fast. Uh, they, I was working, watching a documentary, and they said that he, for every, every mile uh, was four minutes and 30 seconds per mile. And you think back to where, what was the guy's name that um, broke the four-minute? Bannister. Bannister, eh? So he had to push really hard to run a mile in less than four minutes. And here, he, here is Elliot, and he's running 42 Kilometers, sorry, my imperial metric thing is all out of whack. 26 miles, eh? 26 miles, every one of those miles, four and a half minutes. It's insanely fast. And so there were multiple factors, multiple factors that all had to come together for him to be able to achieve that. And when you, when you watch the videos, you can, you can see what he didn't do. Okay, he didn't run with a backpack. He didn't run with a backpack. He didn't carry food and drink. As far as I can tell, he didn't... Oh, sorry, I've got to get it out of here. He, didn't, he wasn't running along with his phone going, um, you know, um, putting someone on your Instagram going, look how fast I'm going. No, he didn't have a smartphone. He wasn't checking the news. His target was... He was so focused on this thing, actually for years. He was so focused on this target that to run the marathon in less than two hours. So he shed everything that he didn't need. And he put on his real, what I love about running is like you just have a simple kit. Like you can just go outside um, with your shoes on, with your shorts on and your singlet on, and that's all you actually need to go running. And that's basically all he had, his shoes, his shorts, and his singlet. I should say that his shoes were pretty fancy. Pretty fancy. Bit of controversy about his shoes. Because <laughs> these shoes, they've got little spring, like little carbon plates in them that give a kind of bit more spring. And they reckon that for elite athletes, this will give you maybe a few percent, a few percent faster. You know, and that's what he needed, a few percent. A few, a few percent 
faster. That's not good English, but whatever, I'm a son of God. He had a strict diet. Like leading up to the race for months, leading up to the race for years, uh, leading up to it. And he had to train, and he had to train with focus and determination. It's, it's actually incredible the amount uh, of resource that went into, into this, into this uh, doing this sub-two-hour race. Um, it was actually his second attempt back in uh, 2017, I think it was. Um, they had this massive attempt, and they had, uh, there were scientists involved, and they would were, they were track his training. And not just him, there were three of them, these three guys, all from Eastern Africa. And they would track their cha- training and they'd measure like lactic acid levels and their VO2, like the lung capacity, the ability they had to exchange oxygen. So you had all these scientists involved. You got Nike, who were producing special shoes for them to wear. And they uh, did it on um, a racetrack, the Monza racetrack. And they set it up. They had this pace car in the front. Uh, they had like, laser, like a laser beam showing the pace. So that, that car would go on ahead of this group of people that were running with a laser beam showing where they needed to be. They had a whole, a whole bunch of pace setters, a whole bunch of this, a whole crew of, of runners that would swap in and out on each lap. They formed these pace setters. They'd form, um, they'd form a triangle formation, like a, like a V, for drafting, like what, what cyclists do. And, and, and these three runners, these, these three champion runners, would, would kind of lock in behind it to be able to, to, be able to get to this mark. And guess what? They all failed um, in that attempt. But Elliot, he was, the, he was the fastest, but he failed by 20 seconds. And you'd think you'd be stoked. You get to the end of it, you go, two hours and 20 seconds. And someone was trying to cheer him up. And he goes, ah. Oh. But it was, he goes, he was quite emotional when he goes, it was called sub two hours. And it, you know, it took me over two hours. It's insane. It's just insane when you look at it. There's heaps of stuff in there that I might get a chance to come back to. But this is the second point in this chapter of Hebrews. It says, Let us also lay aside every, every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Let us lay aside every weight. We sang about that this morning. Thanks, Nicholas, for choosing those songs. One of them goes... You are God, you are God of all else I'm letting go. You are God, you are God of all else I'm letting go. Letting, stripping off the weights that slow us down. When you go running, you don't want to be carrying a whole lot of extra baggage. And it's the same in this journey of faith following Jesus. We've got to let go of stuff. And I reckon that the key for us this year, for us as a, as a group of people wanting to follow Jesus, as a group of people uh, wanting to embrace the things that God has for us and the things that God has for our city, is we're going to have to let go, have to let go of things, have to shed weights. Weights, they're all kinds of things. They can be all kinds of things. But something that's being highlighted to me is fear. Fear, what, what might other people think about me? What might other people think of me? What if they reject me? What if I fail? What if I fail? What if, God's, what if God fails? What about if I step out in faith and, and nothing happens? God, 
doesn't show up. Another, 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 kind of, another weight, I think, is disappointments from the past, where things haven't gone to plan. Things haven't happened that we, want, we wanted to happen or we thought we should happen. Insecurities, insecurities in ourselves, in ourselves, man, in ourselves. Distractions. What kind of things are coming? What kind of things are coming into your mind right now? What kind of things is God revealing to you now? The the point the point is not a guilt trip. It's not to go. Oh, you stink ones! You're carrying all these weights. No, the the point is freedom. The point is you shed these weights and then you feel lighter. So you can run faster. So you can race faster. You can race further. I, I would just want to like invite God right now to come reveal those things to you that he, that he wants you to let go of and, and encourage you to um, invite him to come and, to come and set, set free. So Lord, we invite you, Lord, all of us. I've got my fair share of weights. And they're a pain. Man, I'm really sick of them. I want to be able to run like these, like these faithful witnesses that we've read about and that we know about. I want to chase after you, Jesus. So set me free from, from the weights and the things that are slowing me down, Lord. We can just do that. We just invite him, continue to invite him. One weight, another weight that I want to highlight this morning is, is this one that I've been grappling with, and I think others have too. It's dis- disapproving voices. It's like you have this, this dialogue that goes on in your own mind, and it's, and it's this, like it might be the voice of other people that have actually said things to you, that have actually laid stuff on you. It might even be your own voice. It might be um, so the kind of like voice where you see yourself through other people's eyes, and the voice goes something like this. <laughs> I should do a demonstration. Okay, imagine it's worship time. Oh, Lord, you're good. And the voice goes something like this. What are those people thinking now that you've got your hands in the air? It happens. It happens to me every flipping week. I'm serious. Every time I put my hands up in the air to worship the Lord or kneel down on the ground, the thing that I'm dealing with, I'll do a lot of that. I'm trying to focus on God, and I'm also trying to deal with what are people thinking about me. They'll think I'm silly. Or whatever. What are people thinking of me? That's at church. Anyway, what about, what about when you're at work or at school and then you feel like God is prompting you to do something and then the, then the voice starts up, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to think of me? What are they going to think of me when they found out I'm a Jesus freak? <laughs> what are they going to think of me if they found out I went to church yesterday? What will they think of me if I offer to pray for them? Does that sound, does it sound familiar? Do, do any of you get voices like that? It might not be those examples. It might be all sorts of things. But these voices are weights. They slow us down. They might even cause us to drop out. So we've kind of got to go, shut up. <laughs> shut up, voices. We're doing it for Jesus, not for you, not for you. Imaginary voices in my head. And if we can be open with others about those kinds of things as well, that can help. Sin, 
Sin, it says here, okay, lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Sin, it slows us down. Sin slows us down. Sin is anything that doesn't measure up to the standard of God. Sin is missing the mark. Going back to that, uh, that archery metaphor, sin is missing the mark. You line up your arrow, you want to get the mark, and you miss, and it goes somewhere off and lands in, the, lands in the bank. It gets stuck in the grass. Sin is missing the target. It says in Romans that we all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of the glory of God. We're all, we all sin. But then it says all through the Gospels that's, that Jesus has 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 made us pure. It says in Hebrews 1.3 that Jesus made purification for our sins. Hebrews 9.26, it says, Jesus appeared once for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. He made purification for the sins of us all. Sin, for, the, for the sins of us all. So in Jesus, in Jesus, we're not sinners. We're saints. Yes, we stuff up. Yes, we sin. But we're saints. And, that, and our sin is not what defines us anymore. Okay, so I don't have to worry about Grandpa looking down on me and disapproving of when I make fun of Nicholas. And I don't have to worry about God looking down on me and going, Oh, James, I can't believe you sinned once again. Our sin doesn't make him, it's not going to make him happy but we can be confident that we are saints and we're not sinners anymore because of what Jesus has done for us. Hebrews, again, Hebrews 4, it says we can approach God on his throne of grace with confidence and with boldness. You know that, that verse that I referred to in Romans where it says that all have, all have fallen short of the glory of God? Like you can, t- you can turn that around onto the, onto, the other, onto the other way of looking at it and going, Okay, if because of sin I've fallen short of the glory of God through Jesus, what does that mean? What does that mean? Instead of falling short of the glory of God, somehow we're, somehow we're, uh, somehow we're reaching that, that standard. I can't get my head around this. I seriously can't. <laughs> I'm not going to try. But if we're falling short of the glory of God through our sin, then... When Jesus makes us pure, when Jesus has made purification for our sins and has set us free from our sins, then that turns it around completely. There's glory in that. Okay, where am I up to? So we approach God on the throne of grace with boldness. This is foundational for us. It's foundational for us to run the race. This is why I want to be able to talk about this today. It's foundational for us to run the race and to run it well. Confidence comes as we embrace the truth that if we believe in Jesus, then we're not defined by our sin anymore. We're not defined by it. We're actually set free from sin. Confidence. Man, Eliud Kipchonge, he was confident. He was so confident. He, in his documentary I was watching, he, he said how people... So he grew up, in, grew up in Kenya. And people said, if you run, if you run a marathon under two hours, you'll die. And he goes, I don't think that's right. And he was confident in himself that he could run it in under two hours. And he did. So firstly, we can be, we can be encouraged and we can be inspired by those who have gone before us. So if we're feeling discouraged, if we're feeling, I don't know, like everything's, 
everything's going to custard and we just need to, need to be encouraged. We can be inspired by those who have gone before us. That's the faithful cloud of witnesses. We can be, secondly, throwing off the weights. I think this is a real intentional thing. That's what the, guy, it's what the writer of Hebrews says. Throw, yes, he says, lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. He's so, they're so matter of fact, just lay it aside. Okay, just do it and run. Do it and run. Throw off the weights and the sins that slow us down. And thirdly, I think this is most importantly, look into Jesus. Look into Jesus. Jesus is the finish line. Jesus is the starting line. Jesus is the prize that we're running for. Jesus is the one that's with us as we run. Jesus is the one that's handing us drink and food while we run. It says, look into Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Or an older, an older translation, the um, King James says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The author. Uh, he's, he's the author. He's like Susan Holt who incidentally has got a book launch on the 13th of February, uh, Paper Plus. <laughs> See, Susan, if you want more details. <laughs> this preaching has been brought to you by <laughs> the underground book market. Uh, where was I at? He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus is the start of the faith. Jesus is the reason why we're even in the race. Um, Jesus is the initiator, and simultaneously at the same time as that, Jesus is the, is the finish. He's the prize that we're running towards. He perfects, he perfects our faith as we run. As we're running, he's perfecting us. Like the running race metaphor, it can't keep up. Like it falls to bits, doesn't it? No metaphor can keep, keep up with this. It can't capture this incredible truth about Jesus, and we need some kind of metaphor. Like over the last few weeks, we've been, we've been looking at abiding in God. We're still looking at abiding, just using different words. We need some kind of metaphor that combines running a race with a grapevine, some way that we can run while we're attached to Jesus. Maybe it's like a three-legged race. Uh, while we're attached to Jesus, like the branches of a grapevine, at the same time as we're running towards him. Is that messing with your minds? Yeah. Mm, mine too. Here's our target to aim for at the end of the race. Here's all the resources we need while we race. Eliud Kipchonga, he didn't carry his food and drink. Actually, there's a funny story. Can I, can I share a funny story? I'm almost finished. Uh, there was, so in the, in the first attempt, there were these three guys. And I can't remember the names of the other two. One of them was from a, a tiny wee country um, in Western Af- Africa. Eastern Africa, called um, Achuria, something like that. He was the first person in the country to win a medal at the, at the Olympic Games, and he got bronze. Anyway, he, um, or silver, he got a medal. So he, he was like a world champion half marathon runner. He just blitz. He's got, he's got the fastest time, and he's got the second time for running half marathons. And, and, uh, but whenever he tried to run a full marathon, he could not do it. And he, would, uh, he attempted, I think, quite a few times, and he did not finish. It's like, and so these scientists came in and go, what, what's going on with this guy? Amazing, over uh, 21 Ks, but 42 Ks, he couldn't do it. And it turns out it was a simple thing. 
He wasn't drinking anything. He'd run, he'd run his whole race, like his half marathon, and he wouldn't drink anything. And then he'd go to a, a marathon, and he's trying to run 42 Ks, and he's not drinking anything. Talk about running with a light load. And so they said to him, maybe you should drink something. And he goes, and it was like a light went off in my head. <laughs> this whole time he's dehydrated. And so when they're running the race, you've got these guys, uh, and they're on bikes, and they're handing him drinks. And this is who Jesus is too. This is who Jesus is. He is our resources while we race. I talked about how when, when, uh, when they were doing this uh, sub-two-hour attempt, and when they were successful, they had these pace setters, these ones that would form a, form a formation around the runners. And this is who we are as, as sons and daughters of God. We are each other's pace setters. We are here to encourage and exhort one another along. There might be some here who are like just charging. And we're, we're here to we go, oh, man, that is, that is so awesome that you're charging. That, I want to encourage you and, um, and bless you in that. And meanwhile, we kind of might, one of us might be sort of like dropping off the, fa- off the pace a bit. And we're going, oh, I feel like my confidence is waning. I'm, I'm so sore. Like, life's been really, really difficult. My legs are sore, metaphorically or re- in reality. And then others of us can like gather around, around those people and go, nah, like God is with us. God is with us. There's so much in this. It's Blimmin, blimmin, awesome. I love, the, I love this race uh, metaphor. But I'm going to finish up. I'm going to finish up. Next week, I'm going to uh, like build, on, build on this foundation. This is a foundation for, for something that I think is a, is, a, is a picture for us and for the next part of our journey as individuals, but also as a, as a people, as a church family. This is the foundation. If we can take the truth of this little passage on board, and actually agree with it, actually like saying amen to it, maybe, maybe we need to go away with it and, and like process it with, with the Lord and pray about it and go, Lord, show me what this means for me. Then I think in this we can be encouraged and we can have our confidence built up by the faithfulness of God and the lives of heroes and the faith that have gone before us. Number two, we can discard that old baggage, the things that are clinging on to us, our hang-ups, our fears, our insecurities, our hurts, our mistakes, our sins from the past, and we can intentionally embrace a new chapter with confidence and boldness and peace. And then the third thing is we can follow and we can race towards our supreme leader, our King Jesus. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's very being, and he is inviting us into a future and he's inviting us into a future as beloved sons and daughters. That's the foundation. Does that sound good? You want a bit of that? Yeah, I want a bit of that. <laughs> I want a bit of that.